0: Now continue to look them in the eye and say, I'm happy. I don't look like you. <laughs> oh, some of y'all need to loosen up now. Uh, children, if you haven't already been dismissed, the children can be dismissed at this time to go to their children's ministry. And while uh, I'm thinking about that... Let me just make a plug for Awana on Wednesday nights. If you've got some time to give on Wednesday nights, we talked about last week about being stewards of our time. If you've got some time, we could use two extra workers on Wednesday nights with kids. Uh, if you're interested in finding out about that. Uh, come see me uh, after the service, or you can uh, call me, text me, email me. But we're looking to add two more volunteers to our Wednesday night Awana ministry. So if you've got some time on Wednesday and you want a blessing, uh, let me know. We'll find you a place to serve in Awana. And also, uh, on the 29th of uh, October, which is the last Sunday in the month, we're having a family Fall Family Fellowship across the street in the Fellowship Hall at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we're going to have our awana grand prix race and if you've never seen an awana grand prix race come and watch this one if you've ever been a part of ras or boy scouts or trail life they do similar things it's a pine uh, box car about yay long about six inches long that they carve and paint and weight it and get it all ready to run down the track uh in the Grand Prix, uh, uh, Wanna Grand Prix, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll also have games for children and adults, uh, and chili. Now, how many of you here make a mean pot of chili? Raise your hand. You're, you're a good chili maker. Alright, we're looking for you to enter the chili cook-off. Alright, we're gonna have a chili cook-off that day we'll have judges to taste the chili and judge the chili we might have some stipulations on that you might have to be a true natural born texan to be a judge all right so that's going to count me out because uh though i got here as quickly as i could i'm not a natural born texan so it may be that you have to be a natural born texan to be a judge uh and also, obviously, you can't participate in the cook-off because that just wouldn't be right. But i got to say this. Two years ago, we did it. And the winner of our chili cook-off will be back again this year to defend his title. And he is not from here. Now, he's native-born Texan, but he's not from Main Street Baptist Church. So I'm a little offended that we lost the title to a foreigner. And, um so I need you to win that title back from Main Street. We need somebody in our church that's the Chili Cook-Off champion. So mark your calendar on the 29th. That's the last Sunday of the month, 3 o'clock. We'll be opening our doors to the community. They'll have a, uh, up until 3 that afternoon, there's going to be a, a thing downtown. I don't know what they call it, the Boo Fest or something, where they're basically doing trick-or-treating for the kids downtown. Uh, we will start at 3, so when they're done getting candy down there, well, they can come get candy here. And not only will they get candy, they'll get an opportunity to hear the gospel. We'll be giving out uh, gospel tracts and New Testaments provided by the, um, the Gideons. And so you pray about that date and come with your best chili game. Join me in uh, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and... Uh, we're going to pick up uh, with our stewardship series, uh, Taking Care of Business. Last week we talked about taking care of time. Today we're going to talk about something else. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, and you know it, so say it with me, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, that is a fundamental truth. It's the first statement in the Bible. And let me say this. If that's not true, well, the rest of the Bible doesn't matter. I mean, if if it's not true that God is and that God created, then just the rest of it doesn't matter. It is a fundamental truth of life that God is and that God created everything that is. If true, everything in your life hinges upon that verse right there. God is... And God made you and me and everything in this world. We're going to do our little exercise in breathing. You've done it. If you know me, I do it a lot. Everybody, take a deep breath and fill your lungs. It feels good, doesn't it? You know, if you've ever had problems breathing or had difficulties breathing, you know what a blessing that is to just be able to take it in and fill your lungs and that stuff is borrowed it does not belong to you it does not belong to me it does not belong to the state of texas it's not republican democrat male or female it is the breath of life and without that nothing else really matters in your life right now what you came here in what you're wearing what you do for a living it all pales in comparison to that god created everything therefore god owns everything in every one king david said in psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein so the first basic principle of stewardship is that god owns everything and we own nothing we are stewards God has placed us as uh, stewards. A steward is one who oversees and cares for that which belongs to someone else. Uh, last week we looked at time. In the beginning, that's time. God created time. It all started there. Time's not eternal. It didn't exist before Genesis one one, And God created time. It's His. It's not mine. It's not yours. Time belongs to God. One of our jobs as stewards is to take care of our time. Our life is bound by time. Minutes and seconds and hours and days and weeks and months and years. We're bound by time. We're told in the scriptures to number our days. In other words, to realize and understand that our time is not limitless. And we're told to invest or redeem the time to put it to its best use. So today we're going to move forward from time to matter, taking care of what I call here treasure. Taking care of time, now taking care of treasure. And by treasure, I mean the stuff we get from this material world. In the beginning, time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. Now, he didn't give us the heavens. But he gave us the earth to have dominion over and to subdue and to be in charge of. In other words, the stuff, the matter. So join me, if you would, in a word of prayer as we ask God to speak to us about our relationship to him in the matter of taking care of stuff. Lord bless us as we open your word and as we read from it and as we hear it. Give us wisdom to know what we're to do with the stuff you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to begin this morning just with some preliminary scriptures that deal with stuff, material stuff. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verses 6 through 8, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. The key to taking care of stuff is contentment. Notice what the verse says there. Paul wrote and said, we brought nothing into this world. I got shocking news for you. Tom, when you were born in this world, you came in naked. It was embarrassing. They put clothes on him real quickly. We all came in the same way, folks. Nothing. When I was born, when you were born, you had nothing. You had no stuff. You were made of stuff. But you had nothing. And then Paul goes on to say, we brought nothing in this world. And it is certain. In other words, absolutely sure you're leaving with the same thing you brought in. Nothing. When they bury you, you will let go of every piece of stuff you've gathered in your lifetime. You will not take it with you. As someone so aptly put years ago, uh, they said you won't find a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Okay, You're not taking it with you. Nothing in, nothing out. And that's exactly how it was from the beginning. That's how Adam was. When Adam was made in the day he was created, the Bible tells us, He and Eve were naked. They had nothing. And in Genesis 5, 5, when Adam died, he left this world with exactly what he had when he came into this world. Nothing. Now in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, we're going to look at this verse more in detail later. But right now, just to to go through it, it says about our stuff. Honor the Lord with your substance. That word substance in the Hebrew means stuff it's not anything fancy it's just stuff material items and he says honor the lord with it and with the first fruits of all your increase so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine so we're to honor god with our stuff and then in the new testament matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 19 jesus talks about stuff and he says lay not up for yourselves." treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also now he says three times in that passage he uses the word treasures The word means a place in which goods and precious things are collected, i.e. a savings account, an IRA, a 401k, or a barn that you put things in. It's all about stuff. Now, Jesus isn't telling us here not to save money. He's not telling us here to not plan for the future or to put away for a rainy day. What he is doing, he is emphasizing the importance, the vast importance of planning for what matters most over what matters least. Our life beyond the grave is far more important than our life here on earth. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. He contrasts treasures upon earth versus treasures in heaven. Paul echoes this in Colossians chapter Three, when he says, if you therefore be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, Paul says, on things above, not on things on the earth. Your affection is your heart. And he says, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So put your heart on things that matter. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus again talking about stuff it says, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he will uh, <clears throat> hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is money or material wealth. And most people serve mammon. Most people on earth live for what they can get in this world. And what they can keep in this world, and what they can amass in this world, and give very very little thought to what's beyond this life. It's the pursuit of gain. The original spelling refers to a Syrian deity, uh, the God of riches. And so Jesus said, "You cannot serve Mammon or the God of riches. You can't serve money and the pursuit of it and God at the same time." If you live for pursuing money, you, he says, you love that, you're going to hate God. You're, there's no in-between. Now, let me give you what I call stuffology. I've got a whole list of these I've written out through the years. It's just the, uh, the the teaching, the Bible teaching on the stewardship of stuff. And what do we do with stuff? Because we all have stuff and we need stuff. And uh, I want to look at some general principles of the stewardship of stuff. Uh, i have put six up here for us to look at as we uh, get into the message today. number one we've already talked about but we'll hit on it again god owns all the stuff there isn't a thing in this room or in this building or in this world that you see that didn't come from god that chair that seat you're sitting on is made of the stuff that god made in genesis 1 1 your clothes the car you drove here in. Everything in the world, all the material stuff, belongs to God. God owns all the stuff. That means we own no stuff. We are managers of God's stuff. Number two, all the stuff there is today comes from the original stuff. Okay? In Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, when we read, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, period. That's the end of it. God has created no new stuff. All the stuff in the world today was here in Genesis 1.1. Everything that exists on this earth was here in Genesis 1.1. That means my cell phone is stuff that God created in Genesis 1.1. Your car, your home, the furniture in your living room, the refrigerator in your kitchen, the food in the refrigerator, it all had a beginning in Genesis 1.1. It wouldn't be here without Genesis 1.1. Do you see how fundamental Genesis 1.1 is? People say, well, y'all, I'm not sure that that has anything to do with my life. It has everything to do with your life. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have a car. You wouldn't have a cell phone. You wouldn't have a job. There'd be nothing. It all belongs to Him. And it's all here from the beginning. Number three, and this is important to know, there's nothing wrong with stuff. Sometimes people think that the stuff is the problem. Stuff is never the problem. Uh, The problem is right in here. Stuff is never the problem. Stuff, in fact, in Genesis 1.31, when God created all the stuff... He closed the day out there in uh, the sixth day and said, Behold, it is very good. Nothing wrong with stuff. Now, sin, the sin of Adam brought a curse on this world. And the stuff that we have is under the curse of sin, but stuff is not the problem. Uh, the Gnostics uh, taught early uh, in the ch- early church history that one of the d- things that the church dealt with was the teaching of the Gnostics. And they taught that stuff was evil, that material was bad, but the Bible doesn't teach that. You can have lots of stuff and that's okay. Now, uh, having stuff or not having stuff doesn't make you good or bad. There's no inherent goodness or badness in a lack of stuff or an abundance of stuff. You can be rich in stuff or poor in stuff, and it doesn't change a thing. Job was both rich and righteous. Ditto Abraham. They had a lot of stuff. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of stuff. There's nothing wrong with having little stuff. Stuff isn't the issue. The issue is who the stuff belongs to and recognizing that and living with that in mind. Stuff had a beginning and stuff will have an end. In the beginning, God created stuff. Material world is here because of him. And Peter tells us in second Peter chapter three, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the uh, heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements. What's that? Stuff. It's all going away. It'll melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You know what's going to happen to my cell phone? It's going to burn up. The ball and chain is going away. <laughs> you know what's going to happen to the this book, the Bible? Now, you'll never get rid of God's words, but this... Vinyl and this paper, it's going to burn. The boots I have on are going to burn. The car I drove here in is going to burn. There's coming a day, folks, when all the stuff is gone. The question for us is, what will we then have? What will I possess when all the stuff is gone? That's what's important. And then, um, number five on the list here. Money represents Stuff. Now, someone was kind enough to hand me a dollar bill this morning, so I do have uh, some paper money. It isn't money that we want. You know what this represents? Stuff. Now, used to, I could go to McDonald's and with this right here, I could get some stuff. You can't even get anything from McDonald's with this now. But it isn't... Uh, money that we want it's stuff that we want and the reason we want money is so we can buy stuff you can't eat a 20 dollars bill well you can but i wouldn't advise it not a good idea it doesn't taste well i'm told but you can eat food that you buy at heb or aldi or whatever store you randall's wherever you go for groceries you can buy food and you can eat food. You can eat the stuff. You can't wear money. You wear stuff. You don't live in money. You live in a house, which is made of stuff. You don't drive money. You don't. Uh, you, you drive stuff. Stuff can be land, houses, vehicles, clothing. Stuff is what we want. We don't want money. We want stuff. But what we're really looking for isn't stuff. It's what we think stuff will do for us. The more stuff I have, the more respect I'll have. Prestige or security or peace or love. They're not material things. That's what we want and we think that money, which represents stuff, can make us happy or give us joy or peace or love The Beatles had it right on that one. Money can't buy me love. They don't sell love at Walmart. They don't sell the things that really matter in stores. And so stuff isn't what you want. It's the stuff money can't buy. And number six, people are more important than stuff. Now, we all know that. We understand that and we believe it. But oftentimes we forget that in our pursuit of stuff. People are made in God's image. Stuff isn't. See, God made people and God also made stuff. But stuff isn't as important to God as people are. People live forever. Stuff is temporary. Life isn't about stuff. It's about God and about people. Now, uh, always remember that god is god people are people and stuff is just stuff proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 honor the lord with thy substance with all the first fruits of thine increase so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine we're to honor the lord with the word honor there means it literally means to be heavy or to make weighty the idea there is just laid God with honor. Just laden Him down with honor. Give Him all the honor you can give Him. He says to do this here with the first fruits of all your increase. The word first fruits there is an interesting word. It means beginning. It's the very first thing before anything else. It's actually the exact same Hebrew word that's in Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Israelites had a feast called the Feast of Firstfruits. And it was one of three feasts that the men of Israel were required to attend annually. It was held in early spring. At the beginning of barley harvest, it's mentioned uh, at least uh, several times, but one time for certain in Leviticus 23, where the Lord spoke to Moses and said, "When you come into the land which I give unto you, in other words, they haven't gotten there yet, but when you get there and you reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest." He said, when you sow that land and it brings forth a a harvest, you're to take the first fruits of that harvest and bring it to the priest as an offering to the Lord. They weren't to eat until they had done this. They weren't to eat of that harvest. They weren't to have one loaf of bread made from that grain until they took the first fruits and they gave that to the Lord. This was an act of faith. An act of faith that there was going to be more to come. In other words, hey, the harvest has come in. We'll take the first sickle of harvest. We'll take the first reapings. And we give that to the Lord. Why? We, we worked hard for that. It, it belongs to us. God gave them the first fruits as a reminder that all the harvest belonged to him. And they it was an act of faith for them to give to the Lord that first fruit. He's telling them, honor me with all your harvest, all your stuff, and with the increase. Now, another way the Lord taught Israel to honor them with uh, their, not just the substance, he says, but with the increase. And, uh, that's what we would call your income or what's coming in other words all the stuff i have right now belongs to god and i'm to honor him with all the stuff i have but the more stuff i get i'm to honor him with that increase that's gain or income it's not the same as first fruits but it has a similar purpose to remind the israelites god gave them this tithe He said, all the tithe of the land, whether of seed or of land or fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy unto the Lord. Under the law, the Jews were required to bring a tithe, that's 10% of their seed, of their produce, of their livestock, to the temple and give it to the Lord. It was how the temple ministry was supported We are no longer under the law, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but the principle remains. There was a church that needed parking spots, and a grocer next door allowed the church to take and use his parking lot for 51 weeks out of the year. One week every year, he would chain off the parking lot. Why? he was asked, why did you do, why use that 51 weeks but not 52? And the grocery store owner said he wanted the church to never forget who owned the parking lot. That was the principle. He said, you can use it every week, but I'm going to take one week just to remind you that it's my parking lot, not yours. And that's kind of the principle behind first fruits and tithing. It's A reminder to the Israelites, it was a reminder to them that the entire harvest belonged to God. Not just the first fruits, it was all His. But the first fruits was a reminder that it all belongs to Him. And that's what the tithe was about. 10% reminded them that the other 90% also belonged to God. Now let's just do a little test here to make sure we understand where we're at here. Let's say you made $400 last week that was your increase you increased by four hundred dollars you and i aren't we don't live in an agrarian society like the israelites did so i don't have grain coming in and i don't keep livestock but i do get a paycheck and so that's my increase and so you made four hundred dollars and you've come to church on sunday how much of that four hundred dollars belongs to god Well, someone might say, let me see, I, I, I need to, to do some multiplication or division here or however you want to do it. Let me see, I I need to tithe. So 10% of $400, that's $40. $40 belongs to God. No. The principle of tithing teaches us not that $40 belongs to God. It teaches us that it all belongs to God. And he required under the law of the, uh, that the Jews uh, bring 10% of their increase. Now, they didn't bring in cash money like you and I have because they didn't use that. They had grain and they had fruits that they harvested. They had animals. The, uh, if you had 10 sheep, that 10th one belonged to God. You were taken to the temple and offered as a sacrifice. That's how the priests ate. Same with cattle. Same with other things. The principle of tithing doesn't mean that part of it belongs to God. It reminds us that it all belongs to God. The tithe was required under the law. But Christ is the end of the law, the Bible says. We are not Jews under that Old Testament law of tithing. So we're not bound by the law to pay the tithe. It was somewhat of a tax upon the nation of Israel to support the ministry of the tabernacle and the temple. But the principle remains the same. Everything I have belongs to God. Do me a favor. Bear with me. Pull out your wallet. If you don't have a wallet, get your purse out. If you don't have either of those, if you've got a card, grab your credit card or your debit card or whatever. And if you don't have anything, just grab something nearby and use it as a representative. This represents all I have this represents my stuff and my increase okay this does not belong to me who's it belong to who this belongs to god so do this with me i want you to do something it may seem a little foolish that's okay won't be the last foolish thing we do today I want you to look at your billfold or your credit card or your wallet, whatever you got out, and I want you to say with me these words. You do not belong to me. You are not mine. Like everything in this world, you belong to God. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Suppose uh, walking out the door here today, I, I dropped my wallet and didn't realize it and I walked off. Would you pick up my wallet and use my credit card for what you want? I hope not. I don't think anybody here would do that. If you saw someone's wallet lying on the ground, you would pick it up. And you'd try to find out who it belongs to and you'd return it to the owner. That's the right thing to do, amen? Well, guess what? This doesn't belong to me. And for me to use this for what I want without considering the owner and talking to him and saying, Well, what do you want? Is no different than picking up a wallet off the street and taking the credit card out and using it for what I want. Everything I have... Belongs to God. If I believe that God, if I believe that I'm the owner, then I'm constantly going to be in conflict with God over what to do with the things that I have. But when I understand that the Lord is the owner and I am his manager, the conflict disappears and freedom overtakes my life. The job of manager is to find out what the owner wants done with his assets and to carry out his will. You know, when you understand the principles of stewardship, that God owns it and I don't, and that I'm a steward, it simplifies your life. I I don't have to worry about a lot of things. It it takes a lot of the decisions out. I just simply say, God... It's yours. What do you want done with it? It simplifies life. It brings joy. Maybe you've experienced this here recently. My son, Jonathan. And if you're listening, Jonathan, yes, I'm using you as an illustration. You're no longer under my roof, so I don't have to pay you for it. (laughs) But uh, he got a job, a managerial job, the job he wanted. The job he would worked for, the job that he had his heart set on. And I remember the day that he called and said, I got the job. He was over the moon about it. And so was dad. And you know what? When when, when you apply for a job and it's the job you want and, and you're excited about it and you get it, you're all happy. God has hired you to be his manager. What better job could you have? I mean, it brings joy to know that God trusts you with the management of His stuff. It boosts confidence when you see God provide. And God always provides for His business. If I take His stuff and use it for my business, I don't have confidence that that's going to really work out well. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But when I use my stuff for His business... I know good things are going to happen. It boosts your confidence. It clarifies your purpose. Your purpose is to honor God with your stuff. And it encourages faith. You know, when those Israelites brought the first fruits, they they reaped that entire harvest. and They brought it in and brought a sheaf to the Lord and said, Lord, this is yours. I could, I could keep it. I can make a whole bunch of banana bread maybe with that. I don't know if they had bananas, probably not. So, but I could make some good bread. I could even make some, some bowls out of bread. But no, I'm going to feed my family with this, Lord. I'm going to give it to you because that's the first fruits. The job of the manager is to find out what the owner wants and do his will. Let me close with this. When we understand the principles of stewardship, we give generously we give sacrificially and we give joyfully of our time our treasures and our talents we give generously because we serve a generous god listen god doesn't hold back when he blesses you you know what he gave to you his only begotten son now just think about that for just a second don't don't let it just fly by as yeah jesus all right if you have children and you gave one of your children to someone because you loved them. In fact, I just gave them, Jesus was given to die for me. You talk about a generous God. Alan and the group sang about it up here early, earlier, you know, how can we not be just awed in his presence with what he's given to us? And so we want to give. Huh, I don't need a law to tell me to give 10%. I want to give my life. I want to give my soul. I want to give it all. Generosity is a result of understanding the laws of, and the principles of stewardship. Not only will we give generously, we'll give sacrificially. You know, sometimes when you give, you got lots left over. Sometimes, like that woman that Jesus pointed out in the temple, she gave everything she had. She gave sacrificially. Sometimes we do that. You know, when you give, you don't have that left over. Uh, If you want to give, every parent knows this, you want to give that child a special gift, something that they really want. When you give her that thing, you don't have left over for yourself. Why? Because you sacrificed. That's what you do when you understand God is the owner, I am the steward, and sometimes God says, hey, give this. Oh, wow, that's a lot. I, I, I gave somebody a gift here recently. They sent a thank you note and said, uh, you didn't have to do that. And my response to that is always, I know, we, we, we don't have to do that, but you know what? Jesus didn't have to do what he did either, did he? But he did. And that's the one we're following. He gave all. So you give. You give generously. You give sacrificially. And you give joyfully. You know, I I don't know that those Jews under the law really smiled. and, And I say, when they wrote that check. And when they brought that tithe. I'm not sure they got a lot of kick out of that. Maybe they did. But that was a law that was required that they had to do. We live under grace. And we give according to our hearts. And when we give, God says, I I love a cheerful giver. And we give cheerfully. We give joyfully when we give to the Lord. Joyful giving is a sign that the giver understands the owner-manager relationship. Cheerful giving can only come from a heart set... On things above not on things of the earth God loves a cheerful giver what's your dream job when we understand the principles of stewardship and everything belongs to God and we are given the job of being his manager I mean try to picture it in a in a more realistic way in a, in, a, in a concrete way you can grab a hold of it, it, it God puts out a ad I'm looking for a manager to run my business and you apply and there are a whole lot of people applying for that job and you really want it and then god says hey john you got the job less you got the job you're going to be excited about it He say hey guess what you're going to call people and say i got the job i got the job i'm going to be god's manager of his business Knowing and understanding and applying the principles of the stewardship as they apply especially to stuff, it simplifies your life, it brings joy, boosts confidence, clarifies your purpose, and encourages your faith. God wants us to honor Him with all we have and all our increase. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for allowing us the privilege to manage your stuff or to help us to never fall in love with the stuff or to help us to handle it in a way that pleases you that honors you and Lord to be always ready to give your stuff wherever you want it given God we know that uh, most of the world follows the principles of this world to get all you can and can all you get. Help us to not be like that. Lord, help us to work hard for whatever we get. Help us to always understand that we're doing it for you and your kingdom. And Help us to be willing to honor you with what you give us. We pray this in Jesus' name.